Hello and welcome to the Lancet podcast. I'm Richard Lane and it's Friday, October the 24th. This week, we discuss encouraging results from a phase two study looking at a potential of oral fumarate for the treatment of multiple sclerosis. Before that, a few content highlights from the issue and it's dated October the 25th to the 31st. Unsurprisingly, China dominates the issue, following the online launch of the China series in Beijing on October the 20th. And if you haven't done so already, do take a look at the China series web focus here on thelancet.com. Back to the issue, we publish research articles about COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease in, you guessed it, China, and also an important study published online a few weeks ago looking at JAK2 and its involvement in acute lymphoblastic leukemia. And in the correspondence section, there is a letter taking a look at the presidential candidate John McCain. Why, you may well ask, it's assessing his mortality risk after his experience with skin cancer a few years ago. But back to this week's feature, multiple sclerosis. This is the subject of a seminar in this issue, and also a research article and linked comment about the potential role of oral fumarate for the treatment of relapsing remitting disease. Earlier, I spoke to one of the study authors, Professor Ludwig Kapos, on the line from the University of Basel in Switzerland. Professor Kapos, you're one of the authors of an important Phase 2b study that we're publishing in the Lancet this week, looking at a possible new treatment option for patients with relapsing, remitting multiple sclerosis, or MS for short. Before we go into the study in detail, can you just give us a quick overview of where academic research has come to over the past few years? Where are we in terms of finding some good and effective treatment strategies for MS? Well, I think we are still at the beginning. Uh, We have since uh, approximately 15 years some drugs that are uh, able to, uh, to, not to stop the disease, but uh, to make the disease more benign in its cause, to reduce the number of relapses that occur during the course of the disease. These uh, drugs, mainly interferons and glatyramine acetate, uh, are reducing the frequency of relapses to approximately 30% and also reducing, in many cases, the pace in which disability accumulates. But they are all injectable and they are not fully effective. So the disease continues progressing. So the need is there to find more effective treatments. There are some second-line treatments that are now used, uh, like natalizumab or cytostatic agents, that are not used uh, as broadly uh, because of the fear of uh, adverse events. And before going on and discussing the current study, we're looking at multiple cirrhosis that is defined as relapsing stroke remitting. Can you just define exactly what this is? Because clearly this is an important subgroup of the overall MS population. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. And it's also important to make this distinction because these treatments that I just mentioned are effective, established effective in relapsing remitting disease only, not in later stages of the disease uh, where patients become secondary progressive, as we say, and also not in a group of patients who are called primary progressive, where relapses do not occur, but there is a continuous progression of the disease. So relapsing remitting is a 
a group of approximately 80% of uh, patients who start with a relapsing remitting cause, which means episodes of neurologic dysfunction that last uh, from a few days to a few weeks or months and then recover at least partially. After 10, 15, 20 years, then the disease cause in most of these patients changes and they have more a continuous progression and only few or not any uh, relapses anymore. So the treatment that uh, we have studied here is for the relapsing phase of the disease for patients who have no hints of an underlying continuous progression. Thank you. And what is known about the drug that we're going to discuss in connection with the current study? It's oral fumarate. What is known about the mode of action of this drug that could lead you to think you might get an encouraging result? This is an interesting issue because uh, this drug started its career without a very clear concept on how it works. It was more by uh, chance or serendipity. It was developed uh, also by chance for the treatment of psoriasis. And uh, then, uh, by chance, again, some patients who had both uh, psoriasis and multiple sclerosis seemed to... uh, be better to get uh, better or stabilize in the disease course and uh, then uh, first observations were gathered and this was the initiation for this phase two study that uh, we are reporting. The mode of action that has been studied in psoriasis and uh, later now in, in multiple sclerosis and in animal models of MS is on one side uh, some kind of immunomodulation that it uh, changes the equilibrium between so-called Th1 and Th2 immune response in a way that is favorable for multiple sclerosis. Uh, The finding that has now uh, surfaced out of uh, basic uh, basic, uh, science uh, studies not yet confirmed in the uh, human situation is that it um, has also a direct effect on neuroprotective uh, pathways in the central nervous system. So uh, some of the pathways that are there in order to protect protect neurons uh, are activated uh, by this drug. And this is, of course, a very interesting finding because up to now we don't have any proven drug that has a proven effect on this aspect of uh, the disease, uh, disease pathogenesis. It is still to some extent speculative because it has not been confirmed uh, in the human situation, but it's, of course, a a source of hope uh, for all people who work in the development of the treatments and, of course, for the patients themselves. And turning to the current study, this is a phase 2b study, so not yet at phase 3. Can you just briefly outline the methodology and the key results from the current study? Yeah, the current concept uh, when we want to evaluate a new drug uh, in relapsing MS is to look at its anti-inflammatory effect. And uh, because uh, the clinical signs of uh, the disease are unreliable, they need uh, long long observations, uh, there is a high variability, we count uh, lesions that are detected on serial monthly uh, magnetic resonance imaging scans especially those lesions that um, show contrast enhancement and which represent the new lesions that appear during a new inflammatory or autoimmune attack in the central nervous system. So we count uh, the lesions that occur over a period of, and this is what we did here, over a period of six months at monthly scans. And we looked at the primary endpoint was uh, from month three on to month six is there a difference between the 
four different arms of this study were three doses, three different dosages of uh, BGO12 or fumarate uh, were given and compared to placebo. And uh, that was the main finding that uh, there was a reduction by 69% uh, of uh, the cumulative number of gadolinium contrast enhancing lesions from month four to six uh, during uh, this uh, double-blind uh, placebo-controlled study. So quite a, a clear result there, though I guess we need to stress these results are still at phase two, so we don't have a totally clear picture of the effect of oral fumarate on relapsing remitting MS at the moment, is that right? Yes, exactly. We know that this inflammation that we depicted and counted is a uh, part of the, uh, of the disease, that it also is correlated but not very tightly to clinical activity. And in this study, there was also a reduction of the number of relapses already after six months, visible after six months, but the study was not powered to detect this effect. So uh, you may be lucky and see it, but uh, and it was not statistically significant. So in a larger group of patients and for a longer period of time, we have to see if uh, these effects that we saw in MRIs are also reflected by the clinical cause of the disease, by the number of relapses over a period of two years. That is the next step that we have to find out. And also if there is an impact on the accumulated uh, disability or impairment over this over a longer period of time of uh, one or two years. In a period of six months as here, it is impossible to make a statement about development of disability because the pace of evolution of deterioration is too slow, so you cannot expect to find a difference uh, within such a short period of time. Indeed, that's an important point. So just to be clear, when do we expect to to have phase three results? There are two large uh, phase uh, three studies that have been already initiated earlier this year. One compares two dosages of uh, fumarate PGO12 uh, with placebo, and the other one compares this new drug with placebo and also one of uh, the first-line treatments that are established and available on the market with uh, glutaramine acetate. And finally, a word about the oral nature of fumarate, presumably, as well as the encouraging phase two results reported today. There are some positive issues relating to compliance of patients taking this drug, presumably it's much easier for patients' management of the drug than than with conventional drugs. Yes, absolutely. Uh, As you know, uh, multiple sclerosis is a disease that lasts 20 or 30 years, and you would expect patients to take such a treatment for decades. And uh, this is one of the most frequent questions I get in my daily practice with MS uh, patients. Doctor, when will oral drug be available? When can I stop injecting? Even those who don't have local reactions to to the injectable products uh, would be very happy if they could replace it with an oral drug. So this is in the case that we confirm uh, that it has an equal efficacy, it would be, uh, of course, an advantage. And, of course, also if it had a better efficacy or uh, under the aspect that uh, we may need a combination of treatments, again, an oral treatment is much better for being combined with other treatments with a different mode of action than uh, injectable ones. We await phase three results. 
with great interest, Professor Ludwig Kapos on the line from Basel in Switzerland. Thank you very much indeed for talking to The Lancet. You're welcome. Thank you. Ludwig Kapos concluding this week's podcast. Many thanks for listening. See you next week.